Thank you very much indeed, Sammy, uh, for, I think, I have to say, a very eloquent and passionate uh, presentation uh, of your ideas on uh, the necessity of the energy union. Now, you quite re rightly said there should be a lot of discussion, and you very kindly made sure uh, that we have time for it. So, can I invite um, the first question from the audience? Somebody dare to kick off? Everybody has to chew things over. Derek. My name is Günter Bramböck from EVN, uh, one of the sponsors of the uh, event. Uh, my main question is, uh, and I'm uh, working together with the energy community now for several years, and what uh, very often raised was the question, uh, how to deal with the old open questions, and now we get new ones. We have old conflicts of goals, and uh, with, I think, although I'm uh, pro-solidarity, but it's another question, how to combine solidarity with competition? And uh, several sing uh, similar such questions. And uh, this is what I'm uh, not cle getting clear, and uh, I think it creates more confusion even, and uh, the orientation should be found first. And um, I think two other uh, short comments. Uh, I think it's not just a legal question. It's a combination of technical, economic, and legal uh, interests which should be combined. And concerning the uh, innovation, I think uh, it's nowadays more an organizational question in innovation than in uh, technical. That means how to bring the technical possibilities uh, to the market and to function. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very good. Uh, solidarity and competition, how can it work together and with cooperation? I give you first an example where the European Union was able to really bring those together and how this should inspire other sectors. Look at gas. We had several crises. And first, the EU thought that it was not something related to the EU at all. It was between Russia and Ukraine, nothing to do with that. And then they rapidly realized that a lot of issues were in fact coming within the EU. And it ended with a disruption, some countries directly affected. And what we realized is that the gas was there, but the gas could not go from one country to the other. Why that? You can say for technical reasons, the pipelines were not made for with reverse flow. You can say also because it was aimed that national markets would be fragmented with different deals from one country to the other. This is something we can discuss, but still. How can solidarity play whether your technical infrastructure cannot help you to even if you would decide 
to help your neighboring country, you cannot. Let's be a bit more precise. Who is helping who? Is it Germany who's calling Poland Angela Merkel, the Kaczynski brothers at that time? Or is it in fact the companies themselves who also discuss the TSOs, etc. So we have private economic operators. What do they want to do even in times of crisis? Economic profit. That's the way that the economy is structured. So you need a system which allows these economic operators to make economic profits, but in a spirit of solidarity. How do you do that? The EU has adopted a regulation in 2010, which is not, because you know, when we say regulation, say, it's not re-regulating the whole sector at all. It's just putting the right system into place with a certain harmonization of the conditions related to who's responsible for what, etc., in the field of security of supply for gas, member states, regulators, TSOs, and private companies. And then it opens the way for further cooperation. Cooperation between the countries, emergency plans that they might do together at regional level, etc. And based on this principle of solidarity, which opens cooperation, you have competition because companies will be able to sell some gas to the neighboring countries, etc. even in times of crisis. So this can work. It's the only example. That's why I mentioned, of course, energy union is a holistic approach, multidisciplinary, economy, law, political, international relations, etc., etc. But what is sure is that you cannot make the system work only with communication, strategies, ad hoc groups. You know, when we have a new issue, we create a new forum or a new process in the European Union. No, we need also regulation. So, and the one field which is critical, critical, it's security of the electricity system, electricity supply. What do we have? Nothing. We have a directive of 2004, which is a very broad framework directive, just saying to the countries that they should take care of it. That's it. Can it work? No. What do we need? A regulation. A regulation, not exactly as the one of gas, because security of electricity is much different. It's in fact the whole system. But we need that. And in the energy union package, it's called for a legislation. This is a breakthrough. You can say, well, come on, okay, okay, okay. No, it's a breakthrough. So now the question will be, how do you implement, make this real? And how do you link it with market design? Also calling for a legislation. Is it different from security of electricity supply? It's not clear. So this is a, an answer to that concern. And re just regarding innovation, I totally agree. But it, it's not a matter of, again, reinventing the new technologies. A lot of these technologies are there. It's a matter of organizing the economy to bring these technologies into the system. What are they? It's digital energy. Do we have it? The technologies? Yes. Do we have it in the electricity system? No. Uh, thanks. Only some words about solidarity. I'm, I'm not, I don't have a clear vision on how to answer on this uh, transfer of technology. Um, European Union and also energy community uh, 
in the past always somehow more or less successful uh, mixed solidarity approach with uh, market approach. Uh, one example was mentioned by Professor Sami Andura. It, these are projects of common interest. There is money in uh, European budget for them. And uh, without them, there is no uh, real opportunity for uh, market to solve security or supply problems. We always say market has to be first, but sometimes you need pipeline, reverse flow, and such things as well. And there will be public money which will help solving this problem. This is one of the forms of solidarity. Another form which is uh, which was invented in third energy package is called public service obligation. There is no clear definition what the public service obligation is, but some countries are using, some EU countries are using this in a different way. One of them, for example, Lithuania, uh, with uh, consent of, or with agreement of the Commission, used this concept in the way that they obliged every uh, single market participant or trader, supplier of gas to buy part of the gas in LNG, which is of course much more expensive than existing natural gas uh, from Russia uh, for next 10 years or something like this, uh, because of course they want to uh, overcome uh, the status of being too dependent on one supplier. Um, and this is against market, but uh, brings, okay, because of stability of supply, on the long run brings some solidarity as well, uh, as, as I see it uh, such. For example, uh, a next interesting experiment will be Ukraine, uh, where IMF uh, imposed a transitional period to come from existing really non-market situation in gas sector to market uh, environment in gas sector from now till April 2017. And all this transitional period will have to be defined by public service obligation secondary legislation. This will be a, a challenging new experiment, uh, also very educative for EU, but it will be done outside EU. Um, and uh, the third aspect uh, about mixture of solidarity and market approach, which I want to mention, is uh, social, our socially vulnerable customers, also part of third energy package. This is not very defined in EU as well. Here in energy community, we are more advanced than in EU. We even adopted common energy community definition on socially vulnerable customers, who can be part of the group of socially vulnerable customers. This is only a recommendation, it's not obligatory, uh, but we have it. EU cannot reach one single definition. Um, but uh, it's important to define socially vulnerable customers. They're not defined in all EU member states yet, uh, and also not in all energy community contracting parties yet. Um, uh, and uh, having in mind that this is market, from there on are, is solidarity, of course, which is paid by public money, not by um, participation of other market participants. Um, so, I think in general, in theory, is done, but uh, implementation is a little bit delayed. <laughs> Thanks. Very quickly, very quickly. Very quickly. Vulnerable consumer, we 
talk, it's already tough to identify them, but today it's vulnerable passive consumers. So the question is, what will be vulnerable active consumers? You mean when we have efficient demand response mm. in that context? Do we have any other questions? Thank you so much. Good morning. Um, Can you say, would you please say who you are? Oh, yes. Philip Santos from the Energy Regulator of Portugal. Okay, ERS, which says Energy uh, Regulator of Portugal. Mm -hmm. um, my question is about this, this, of course, the Energy Union, because as far as I'm, I'm concerned, when we talk about monetary union, we have single instruments single institutions, the central bank. When we today um, uh, um, write or talk about energy, uh, sorry, banking union, we are talking about a um, single resolution uh, uh, scheme mm -hmm. and the compens compensatory mechanism for the investors, a single one too. Mm -hmm. And um, what I'm seeing here, it's a cocktail of uh, actions, mm -hmm. okay, to enhance cooperation, but in fact, I'm not, uh, as far as I, I understand, I'm not seeing the single mechanism yet. So, is this name Union Energy Union going to be only a name for enhancing cooperation and to align policies, EU policies, or is more than that? I hope it is more than that, mm -hmm. and. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, community of energy community, it's a question of dimension. More countries where is applied the European law and the uh, mechanism for extra cooperation. I believe that uh, energy union should go not widely, but deeper and to enhance and create single policy, a single market and a single policy for electricity and gas. I would like to hear you about this. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think what I'll do is collect a few questions because we're, we're really actually in the coffee break and about to start the next session. So I saw one hand, two hands. Christopher, you had a question? Oh, she's going to Christoph Riechmann from Frontier Economics. Um, I, I have a, a remark and, and a question probably to, to Sami. Um, on one of your slides, we saw uh, a single buyer as a possible solution uh, for energy security of supply. I suppose we mainly speak about gas here. Um, I'm actually slightly suspicious whether that is a, a good solution, um, partly because a single buyer may, lead, may, may lack a bit of uh, dynamics. Um, and possibly also the history tells us wrong because a lot of the gas contracts that we have today, they actually still derive from the world of national um, single buyers. So I was wondering to what extent in, in your concept, uh, Sami, uh, the single buyer is, is also an integral part or what do you think about the single buyer idea? And then a question over there. Hello, everyone. Uh, Jerzy Dudek, European University Institute, Florence. Um, very brief question um, about uh, the vision of the European uh, Energy Union. Uh, actually, all of you kind of uh, concluded that's an empty toolbox, no. but still kind of. 
Okay, you didn't. It's a heavy, so heavy, heavy box. Okay, for you it's a heavy box. So then, uh, just to answer somehow, uh, or push it a bit more, this discussion, um, it's a strategic document, obviously, so we have a vision. So the question is more whether the emphasis ch changed, whether we have different directions on the horizon. And I would be very happy to hear about that, especially uh, if you consider this change uh, regarding energy security. Of course, it was there in the beginning, but somehow now it's very high on the agenda. Obviously, the geopolitical ch change influenced that, the Polish proposal as well. Uh, but yeah, how would you see whether we have changed kind of uh, the trend in EU energy policy here? Thank you. Okay, I think we, um, that's all the, t the questions that we can... Oh, there's one at the very back, yeah. and then... Um uh, Ms. Vitaly Ryshenkov from CMS uh, Camera Mechanic Kiev, and my question is probably to Janusz. Um, um, the dispute resolution mechanism under the Energy Community Treaty, um, uh, there are so, some, some people say that it's too soft. Um, is, there, is there any uh, intention to uh, strengthen it, uh, make it more demanding on the states? And whether that would may or would be reflected in the you know further amendments, or f or would it find its way into EU um, uh, energy union uh, type of treaty? Thank you. Thanks. Well, maybe you would like to start with with the question directed to you. It's also something we'll come back to in a later session. But uh, yes, I'm uh, thanks. Um, <coughs> very briefly, uh, of course we proposed uh, under the umbrella of this high-level reflection group or Professor Buzek's report uh, several options. One was establishing uh, the court of energy community as uh, initial idea was 10 years ago. The other one was uh, to s uh, strengthen existing uh, dispute uh, settlement procedure, uh, uh, which is now uh, uh, not very not very logic mixture of uh, legal process and political process because on the end ministerial council has to condemn one of contracting parties to uh, for breaching the treaty and of course ministers are politicians you know they are so, uh, somehow show uh, some extent of uh, solidarity to other colleagues they are not judges you know so this doesn't function very well you're you're right I mean, till this last stage, it functions very well, and it was successful always in the past. Uh, but really, this last stage doesn't function very well. So there are several proposals how to amend it. I will not now go into detail. And this year we will discuss about that, and this year ministerial council will um, um, adopt a solution uh, which will be. In which will change this uh, procedure a little bit because I believe also in this public consultation which we had, this court was widely supported mostly by NGOs, um, uh, but not uh, by EU member states. Um, so I believe this idea is somehow killed already. Uh, but we will see. Um, so there is a lot of discussion about it. And uh, very shortly about, I think, two other questions. So there is a, a a big debate what energy union is. Some some people are talking about um, processes inside European Union. Some people are talking about 
processes uh, in neighborhood or at least wider than European Union. My deep belief is that European Union cannot exist without taking into account also at least periphery of EU. It means this uh, broader dimension. You can't imagine security of supply without Ukraine. You can't imagine uh, competition uh, without uh, uh, network codes in, in neighboring countries. Uh, you can't imagine uh, uh, sustainability without uh, exporting 2020-20 package to uh, countries which represent integral part of internal energy market as well. Mm -hmm. So this doesn't function. I mean, you, you can't have two regimes in one internal energy market. What is the uh, case now? So energy union has to be an answer to that questions as well. Uh, but very many EU politicians and very many EU energy stakeholders concentrated only on internal issues when talking about energy union, having it as a trademark, you know, it's another uh, a political slogan, I would say, uh, uh, about uh, the unifying the European energy policy. That's good, it's okay, it's needed, but it has to be also pan-European. Yeah, I, very short. Of course, energy union, it's an insight, it's a European project, which needs to deepen the European construction in the field of energy. But of course, it cannot be, for all the reasons you mentioned, be disconnected from the outside world. But of course, let's not move now for a pan-European energy union. But energy union, but let's not be inward looking. Why do we... Don't we have uh, an energy union as a banking union with one institution, etc.? Why that? Because it reflects the fragmentation of the energy sector and the energy system at national, industrial, economic level. That's the main reason. What do we suggest and what do you find in this package? Strengthening the European regulator, making it a real regulator, not just an agency for the coordination, cooperation of regulators. This is different. Strengthening the TSO. You could even think about regional TSO. So there are things that you can move you into this direction, but let's not be naive and believe that energy union like this will bring you the unique institution, the unique treaty, the unique energy mix, and blah, blah, blah. No silver bullet. No silver bullet. And finally, regarding it's interesting regarding uh, the gas uh, single buyer, etc. No, last point, just it's a strategic framework, but it's not an empty box. Why? Because beyond the text, at the end, you find, then you can criticize, of course, the relevance of the proposals, etc. But you find 15 action plans, action points. So this is something real, concrete, with a planning, with an agenda, etc. Of course, it's going to move, but it's 2015, 2016. So for me, no empty box. Single buyer. We proposed it in 2010 with Jerzy Buzek and Jacques Delors. We were named heretic. You know, wow. It's against the market. It's against competition law. It's against the rules. Now we are discussing it, it's very sexy, topical, wow, single buyer, this is the silver bullet of the energy union. It was much more necessary in 2010 than it is today. Why? Because the supply scene for gas was much more fragmented vis-à-vis -vis the EU than it is today. LNG occurred 
And now there is much more diversification, much more suppliers. So we still believe that this is something, but it's really a tiny part of the solution. It's voluntary, allowing those. And I will finally, because I see my colleague from Norway who's there, between this fragmentation, <laughs> internal and external market, for me, I find it striking that the European Union is dependent, an import dependency over Norway. Norway should be part of the European internal market. You are, so why are we dependent for your gas? That's a question. Thank you very much. Well, I think we've had a, a fascinating session this morning. I'm afraid we've run over a little bit, but we have, I hope, uh, the possibility uh, throughout the day of, of picking up a bit of time. I'll leave you with a, a thought that I um, entertained back in 2010 when we were working together, Sammy uh, and I, together with Mark van der Wouter on the, on the report on the Energy Union. And uh, Mark van der Wouter, who's now a judge at the court, was very keen on a lot of centralized uh, solutions. Uh, so I renamed him Napoleon, for which he has never really forgiven me. But it's, to me, uh, and I think that's something we'll come back to, why do we need such a centralized approach? And I can ask this question because I'm going to stop the session and Sammy can't answer me. Uh, but I think, it's, it, to me, if we're having a low carbon economy in the future, the transition is to decentralization, enormous decentralization. And I, I've, I struggle still to, to, f to see why we need so much centralization to get to decentralization. That to me is a, an interesting legal uh, as well as an economic issue. Can I say one word? No. <laughs> I wrote this report with someone and I did not mention his name. is Jean-Arnold Vinois, who's a key expert, and we wrote this report together. He's not with us today, but you will hear about him in the future. Jean-Arnold Vinois. And no centralization. No centralization. <laughs>